Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in Wednesday, excuse me, Thursday, August 4th edition of the show. Boy, I'm starting that off with a bang, aren't I? I'm your host, Gary Seegers. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And a lot to dive into today. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, please like the video for us and subscribe to the channel. The growth has been outstanding over the last month. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, As the show continues to grow, we are knocking out segments, etc., and you guys are uh, really liking them. And I certainly appreciate the feedback that you're giving us. Jump into the comments, of course, on any of these topics we love to hear your thoughts on those. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast as well. Numbers over there doing really well as well. So, we will start off here. Number one, NBC would like to make the Big Ten the NFL of college football. Now, this is a little bit interesting to me. We'll go ahead and pull up the ad here. Not the ad, the uh, the website It says NBC sees Big Ten being NFL of college conferences. It says NBC would televise primetime Big Ten NFL games on Saturday and Sunday nights. Big Ten could follow the successful broadcast TV model of the NFL. Now, while I do understand what they're trying to accomplish here with what the NFL did, right? We, We see it's much better when you spread it across multiple big networks because it gets in front of more households. Right, we we understand that, but what I'm curious about here is NBC has already pushed the idea of combining Big Ten telecasts with its existing Notre Dame coverage as a quote perfect one-two punch. My first question here is: Would the Big Ten avoid NBC? Because remember, they have not announced these deals yet. It looks like. Uh, It says NBC is pitching a fall Saturday football schedule that includes triple header coverage of Big Ten games on Fox, CBS, and NBC. Now, there is still ESPN out there that's trying to be involved with this. There is all of the different streaming services, etc. But would you maybe not include NBC in this if NBC were going to pair it with Notre Dame? Allowing NBC to grab the Big Ten adds value to those Notre Dame games. In that situation, I don't necessarily know that it is in the Big Ten's best interest if they are more interested in getting Notre Dame to join their conference, right? Now, this is only going to be like a six-year deal. That's what they've been doing, and we'll talk more about that dating back to 2004 in just a bit. But do they maybe avoid NBC specifically because they want to try and force Notre Dame's hand? How much would NBC be willing to give to Notre Dame? Because remember, we talked about this, Notre Dame is looking for a $75 million a year payout. How much are they willing to give Notre Dame if it's just an independent contract without having the Big Ten to back it up, right? If you don't do a Saturday night primetime game on NBC, do you go with ESPN? Do you go with somebody along those lines? Uh, We shall see. Uh, Another part of this is, This is where the networks just have got all of this wrong and why we are having so many problems with college football in general and all the different changes that are going on in the sport. And it is because of the constant comparisons or the constant trying to change college football into the NFL. 
right? Well, we see this work in the NFL all the time. It should work with college football. These are not the same sport. The pageantry, the tradition, et cetera, is completely different. The passion for college football is completely different than it is for the NFL. Yes, there are passionate fans of the NFL, but it is not the same as college football, right? You did not go to school at the Tennessee Titans, right? There's just something different about that experience where you went to live on campus, etc. You went to those games when you were a student and whatnot. And even for those that didn't go to school, there is still something about growing up and rooting for old state U, right? It's different than a professionalized version of this. We still have this idea, this feeling that this is still amateur sports and that these guys are doing it for the love of the game. Now, we do understand that kids are making money now and a lot of this is done for the money, right? Obviously, these kind of TV contracts, et cetera, really show us that. They, they slap us in the face with it. But you don't want to sell too much of that professionalized version of this because I think it's going to end up hurting the game in the long run and it'll end up hurting the viewership in the long run. Why would you watch college football if you can just watch the NFL? If We've seen it with a ton of different pro leagues that have tried to do spring football, etc., and it has not worked out as well, right? The appetite for college football is different than the appetite for the NFL, and it will continue to be so. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with this, but NBC looking to make the Big Ten, the NFL of college football, very interesting concept and a weird way of trying to pitch that, for sure. That was over at Front Office Sports, by the way, if you want to go check out the, uh, the article on it. That moves us over to a Dennis Dodd article, right? This is, he wrote basically notes about realignment. And there were a lot of interesting tidbits. I'm going to go, you know, piece by piece through some of this. But we'll start off with Big Ten and SEC expansion beyond 16 could have legal ramifications. We'll go ahead and pull up the article here. It says further expansion could create legal problems. It says the only conference commissioner to run a 16-team league in the modern era has a warning for the SEC and the Big Ten. Beware of the legal ramifications of expanding beyond 16. Carl Benson, who was the former commissioner of the old WAC, presided over 16 members from 96 through 98 before the league collapsed on itself because, surprise, the money did not stretch far enough. It says, when BYU was left out of the Bowl Alliance, the precursor to the BCS, despite becoming the first Division 1A, now FBS team, to win 14 games, Senate hearings were convened. It says the word collusion was tossed around as it related to college football's powers holding other programs at bay. Now, that word could pop up again. This is a big reason, I believe, why the Big Ten did not just go ahead and take Oregon and Washington or Stanford and Cal, etc. Because if you completely deplete another conference, you start hearing words like collusion, right? It, the damages that you do to another conference can end up becoming a way for them to uh, maybe uh, go after you in court, right? Uh, there is something on here that says, uh, if the Big Ten gutted a conference, uh, dot, 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 uh, George Klavkov might pursue antitrust action there. If you go too big and you take too many teams from another conference to where they are just completely gutted, 
yeah, you could absolutely get into that kind of a situation. Because at one point, we did have the Power 5. Now we're down to the Power 2, really. And I could see it. I could maybe see it. So this could be the reason why the Big Ten only decided to take two from the West Coast as of right now. You know, Kevin Warren talked a big game at Big Ten Media Days. I don't necessarily know that they are going to expand further because it does get a little bit more complicated, right? There was something else in this uh, in this article, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, let's see. Let's pull it back up. Big Ten interest has cooled on Pac-12 teams. I don't think it cooled at all. I don't think there's anything different. We talked about this on the last show. Uh, Dennis Dodd did say, after the anxiety caused last week regarding further Big Ten expansion, industry sources have indicated the Big Ten is no longer as interested in adding California, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington. Uh, It says rights holders were balking at paying the same amount for those schools as the 16 Big Ten schools going forward. That's 80 to $100 million in total revenue. Now, I do get where they're coming from because I don't believe those schools are worth as much. But if you are looking to secure a late-night window, etc., then you're going to have to try and figure out exactly what you want to do. Now, again, if the Big Ten decides to go with NBC, CBS, and Fox, I don't know how interested any of those will be in a late-night window, maybe Fox with FS1. But for the most part... Uh, I mean, if you go with CBS, maybe you work out a deal with CBS Sports Network and you toss UCLA and Rutgers on CBS Sports Network at 1030. I mean, maybe. We'll have to see how that exactly works out. But for the most part, you're not going to have to worry with it. I will certainly say that. We will move on to another topic here. And let me write down my times, of course. We're going to stay over with the Pac-12 now, or move over to the Pac-12. This one, I think we all kind of knew about, but we'll go ahead and pull it up. Dodd put in here, let's not forget the Pac-12 had its chance to bolster its ranks last year when the Big 12 was wounded by the exits of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. Uh, Sources told CBS this week the Pac-12 vote was 8-4 to against taking any Big 12 schools. Now, Carol Folt, we, we saw this earlier in the week. Carol Folt was uh, the US pres- or USC president, excuse me, uh, shut down interest in expansion, right? And, and that, of course, becomes ironic because w- did she know that they were planning on moving over to the Big Ten and they didn't want the Pac-12 to expand? You know, all these different questions. Uh, one of the Big 12 ADs told CBS Sports that we all would have jumped. After Texas and Oklahoma, there was panic. Uh, Much the same way that a lot of people were talking about Pac-12 teams looking to join the Big 12 right after USC and UCLA leave, it's because you don't know what the stability of your current conference is. When it it came to the Big 12, Bob Bowlesby absolutely believed that the conference was worth half as much, if not less than, without Oklahoma and Texas. Well, with the Pac-12... They chose not to take any of those schools from the Big 12, and now it appears that the Big 12's contract could actually be worth more than the Pac-12, right? The Big 12 worth more than the Pac-12. We'll we'll talk about all the different negotiations and whatnot that are going on right now. But, yeah, this this is interesting stuff. Interesting stuff because they had the opportunity. As we've said many times, 
to take some of the Big 12 schools. They were looking to get out of the Big 12. And the Pac-12 decided that they did not believe any of them were worth actually taking. So we'll see how it works out. We'll see what ends up happening. Let's go on and hit an ad right quick, and we will jump on a few things about Big 12 media rights negotiations, uh, Nick Saban, etc., on the other side. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, our gambling picks, our store, the gear we use, and more. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get not only the full shows, but individual segments, along with other goodies as well. We're over 5,600 subscribers right now, and our goal by the end of football season is 7,500. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. You can visit winningcureseverything.com slash store and see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. Here is an interesting question for Big 12 fans. Mark Shapiro is advising the Big 12 in their next media rights negotiations, right? Mark Shapiro, 51-year-old media executive who has been pulling the strings behind the scenes for a while. Is this a good thing that he is advising the Big 12 in their negotiations? The reason that I ask you this is we, we know that Mark Shapiro, if you did not know, how's that? We'll start off with that. If you did not know, Mark Shapiro, uh, he is the president of Endeavor, which used to be WME-IMG, right? It's William Morris Endeavor. Um, it's a, we'll, we'll define it the way that Dennis Dodd did, a powerful global sports entertainment and content company. It says that he is expiring, or it, uh, excuse me, advising the Big 12 on the next media rights deal after its current agreement expires ahead of the 2025 season. Now, the story that I had always heard about Mark Shapiro and the reason why we have maybe gotten into this mess to begin with, or at least the first domino that fell with it, is Shapiro was the one that worked at ESPN as an executive who told Jim Delaney, um, basically, like, here's your offer, take it or leave it, for ESPN. And Delaney thought that it was a low-ball offer. And it turned out that it actually was. This was back in 2004. Uh, Delaney told him no. Like, we are not going to take that offer uh, for you to have all of our content. We think we're worth more. That led to the Big Ten Network being created. That led to Fox getting involved with the Big Ten, etc. There was just a lot there. The quotes here, it says, You are rolling the dice, Shapiro infamously told Delaney. And Delaney responded, Consider them rolled. And, of course, you know, you see what happened next. In 2017, Delaney signed a short six-year, $2.64 billion deal with Fox and ESPN. And now we are moving into the spot where the Big Ten is going to end up, I mean, making more than a billion dollars per year, right? And now in order to pay every school that's on, that's going to be in the conference over $100 million a year, you're going to have to sign over $1.6 million. I don't know if it's going to get quite to there, but it'll get close. It'll get really, really close. Uh, so Shapiro, of course, is now waiting for that Big Ten deal to be announced sometime around Labor Day or so. But how obviously he's good at his job. He's been CEO and president of tons of different organizations through the years, right? Tons of these giant companies. 
But he is in a position now where he's waiting on the Big Ten to get their deal done, and then he can figure out exactly which way to go with uh, the Big 12, right? He's advising uh, Brett Yormark on this. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I mean, this is... This is very, very interesting with Mark Shapiro. So you guys tell me. Jump in the comments. Let me know, is Mark Shapiro the best guy to help with advising the Big 12 in this situation? Because I'm not certain that he is. Maybe he is. Maybe things have gotten better. Obviously, things were a lot different back in 2004 than they are right now. And he is involved in the content game. He understands this business. He's been around it forever. But I'm curious your thoughts. I don't necessarily know what I think on this one. Um, But it does look like, you know, Big 12 value right now, everything's estimated north of $30 million per team. That is significantly higher than what I thought it was going to be. If you stick at 12 teams, you don't expand any more than you already have. You stay at 12. I mean, you're you're looking at a massive payday. Massive, massive payday. Um, You know, well over $300 million. $350, you know, somewhere around there. Uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting to see what happens. So I think uh, I think that would be 360. 360 million if you did 30 million per team. So we're actually looking north of that. So let's say 400 to 500 million. You're looking at half a billion dollars for a conference that Texas and Oklahoma just left. I mean, I'm all in. That, that sounds like a good deal to me for uh, for all the guys in the Big 12, for sure. For sure. Let's hit on this one. Nick Saban called Alabama's 2021 season a rebuilding year. And people laughed, of course, on social media. And they all took their jabs and whatever, whatever. But Saban was not wrong about this. Yes, they played for a national title. Yes, they won the SEC. Yes, there were a lot of different things that would make you believe it was not a rebuilding year. But the truth of the matter is... uh, the offensive line was a disaster. Uh, they had a transfer wide receiver that led them in receiving yards. None of the freshman wide receivers stepped up. You had a bunch of injuries at running back and in the secondary. You had a first-year starter at quarterback, so nobody knew exactly how that was going to work out. Uh, you just had a lot of problems with this team last year. And you can, of course, point to the fact that they went 11-1 and in the regular season, and their postgame win expectancy actually gave them 9.06 wins. So this, on paper, at the end of the season, all stats thrown in looked more like a 9-3 and team as opposed to an 11-1 and team that ended up playing for and winning the SEC championship. So Nick Saban is not wrong there, but it does... It, there's a big reason why, at the end of last season, everybody, eh, maybe not everybody, A lot of people talked about the fact that this was maybe Nick Saban's best coaching job because he had to coach that team differently than he's had to coach other teams in the past. Now, heading into this season, it looks like this team might be a little different than last season's team, right? You did lose, you know, a few guys. I think there were seven NFL draft picks. But on top of that, you have a different temperament as far as the players on the team. You have leaders that have now stepped up, etc., You didn't know exactly who was going to be the leaders of the team last year. You got all that heading into this season. This looks like it's going to be a somewhat vintage Nick Saban team, one that he is happy to be coaching, that he doesn't have to change a whole lot himself and try to figure out throughout the season. Could be be very, 
very interesting on that one. Now, I do have one more thing before we hit maybe one more ad right quick before we get out of here. Um, Ross Dellinger threw this out yesterday, and it's uh, from inside the NCAA. It says, transfer package delayed, including unlimited transfer concept and transfer portal windows. D1 SAC has concerns over the implementation of Windows. Now, the unlimited transfers is why they did not push through the portal windows and and deadlines, right? We had talked about the fact that it would be easier for coaches if there are windows so that you can have your roster management, right? You you can't... It's not impossible. It's very difficult for coaches right now to put together their team to build these teams if they don't know how many players they're going to have at each position, etc. You don't know whether to offer more kids, to do whatever. It's The way that it's going, I don't know that you can ever go back to having a regular 25-man limit as far as a recruiting class is concerned. I don't know if you can do that. But I will say... It makes sense because you don't want to deal with the legal ramifications, right? Somebody somewhere was going to have a waiver denied, which they haven't been denied in forever. But if you have somebody that transfers one time, ends up in a really bad situation that second transfer time, and then wants to transfer again, and then the waiver gets denied for whatever reason... Yeah, you were going to face a lawsuit. You were going to face something along those lines, and you were going to lose the lawsuit, right? The Supreme Court in the Austin case absolutely told them, you know, if you guys try to stop student-athletes from doing basically whatever they want, and the other part of this is the NCAA already allows it in a a ton of other non-revenue sports, right? They allow this to go on everywhere. So, eh, I mean, why not just go ahead and allow this? It is much more difficult for the head coaches of college football teams. So if you're not going to have any kind of limits on moving around, etc., then you can't have any limits on uh, the size of a rec- uh, recruiting class or whatever, right? Your your scholarship limit can maybe be set. You know, you can stay at 85, but trying to figure out who you can bring in, etc., maybe the only window is you cannot transfer during the season. Maybe that's all we got. So this is very interesting stuff. Uh, It does show you there is always a more extreme side, a more extreme direction that things can go. You may think that it is as bad as it's ever going to get. The truth of the matter is it can always be worse, right? So while college coaches have been complaining forever about this one-time transfer rule, the fact of the matter is it could have always gone to unlimited transfers. Right, And they could be eligible to play immediately at any point, anywhere, doing whatever. So, yeah, it's difficult, but I mean, these guys are getting paid enough. These guys, The coaches are being paid enough to be able to deal with a hassle like that. All right, let's go ahead and hit one more ad, and then we've got a few more things to hit on the backside, including my list for the best college football podcasts heading into the 2022 season. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, or you can follow the guys at GaryWCE and at Chris B. Giannini. 
Or you can also follow us on Facebook. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show, too. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. Pat McAfee and Peyton Manning are joining up for Omaha Productions to do six college football shows this year. And that basically, the show will just be a simulcast of the games, and they're going to be broadcast on ESPN too. So I would imagine the games will either be on ABC or ESPN, whichever ones have the biggest games. The list of games has not been announced yet, but this is a lot of fun. I One, Peyton Manning has always been insanely good at anything that he's done on television, honestly. Along with that, Pat McAfee has been fantastic doing WWE, doing NFL stuff, and he was on the Thursday night football crew with Adam Amin, etc. back in 2019. Chris and I had the opportunity to actually meet him when they were in Memphis for a Memphis Navy game, and he loves college football. I, I don't think that you can get a better idea than this one. Now, how McAfee is going to fit this into his schedule, I have no idea, right? I mean, it's, it is bonkers. He, he's already going to be watching the games anyway, I would imagine, so this just makes it that much easier. I don't believe he and Peyton are going to be in the same place at the same time doing the game, right? I think they're probably going to do this through video from Pat's studio where he can sit and watch the game in his hometown, etc., before he watches all of the NFL Sunday games. Just a guess. Because he's already doing Friday Night SmackDown with WWE, and he just signed a huge extension for that. So Saturday Night Games, I don't know how he's going to fit it in. I mean, this man does more media stuff regarding multiple different sports than anybody else that I know. It is mind-blowing to see this. But, yeah, it, it says uh, retired NFL punter and surprise star podcaster, which that's just ridiculous. This is a Forbes article. Like, get out of here with that kind of a... I guess if you're giving it out to people that read Forbes that really have no idea who he is, I guess that makes sense. It says he's teaming up with Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning to deliver alternative college football broadcasts for ESPN2 as the two former Colts expand their burgeoning sports media footprints. It says uh, McAfee will call six games on ESPN2 uh, while Manning appeared as his guest. Manning's Omaha Productions Company will produce the program, which will simulcast alongside ESPN's primary broadcast of the games. My bet is it's not just ESPN. I'm betting it's also going to be some of the ABC games as well. Um, it says Manning and his younger brother, uh, retired quarterback Eli Manning, uh, did basically the ESPN simulcast of Monday Night Football, and it was a huge rating success. And I, I will admit that I am one of those that actually watched that version over the regular Monday Night Football. Uh, ESPN confirmed a Forbes McAfee will appear on six broadcast, declined to comment on financial details of the deal, noting it's part of the network's existing partnership with Omaha Productions to deliver simulcasts of several sports. McAfee is awesome at this. Everybody knows, if you've been listening to the show for a while, 
I am a huge McAfee fan. I think he is incredibly entertaining, and he will continue to be so on something like this. So I am looking forward to this. I can't wait to see exactly what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be good. I certainly know that. We'll move on from there. The Pac-12 and Tempus Ex Machina are giving student-athletes the power to monetize personalized game day highlights. And this is a very interesting idea. Basically, they're monetizing their highlights on different social media companies, right? Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. I don't know that Instagram has uh, ads that can run on videos, etc. But uh, this is a really cool setup, the way that they are talking about it. It says, The Pac-12 was the first conference to make its game highlights available to student-athletes for NIL purposes, and now, through our all-encompassing data and technology partnership, we can offer Pac-12 students something they've never been able to utilize before for their own financial benefit. Now, this is uh, that was Annie Gerhardt, COO of Tempest X Machina. Our technology is ready for social media companies to create turnkey monetization programs that student-athletes can opt into and begin to earn compensation on their own highlights. If you have never looked at highlight videos on YouTube, etc., the amount of views that single plays can get, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube, etc., it is mind-blowing. Now, if you have a short ad that runs before that, the amount of money that these kids can make on simple highlight videos is bonkers. It is through the roof, and it is a genius idea for them to put together. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. is a board member at Tempus X Machina, and he said Tempus X's uh, proprietary fees... uh, (laughs) I can't talk. Excuse me. Tempus X's proprietary fusion feed technology is a game-changer for college student-athletes as they continue to explore NIL partnerships. It basically, it says the the technology is only available solution that can deliver every angle of every play from games, automatically provide a digital video clip, and deliver personalized highlights to each participating student-athlete available immediately after the game concludes. So they can start tweeting this stuff out, they can start posting on YouTube, whatever, as soon as it happens, basically. As soon as the game is over, you get back on the bus, you're ready to get back to campus, get back to wherever you're going, and you start making money almost immediately. Now, of course, the monetization stuff has to be set up through Twitter, etc., uh, but Twitter basically has already come out and said, if I'm not mistaken, or it's, it's been reported, that they are already ready to start this, right? As soon as, as soon as an athlete registers with them and lets them know, hey, I'm me, I play for so-and-so, I'm going to be posting videos. They're already set to go. You just post up the video, it's going to have an ad run before it, and then you've got the play. I think it's genius. I mean, this is absolutely a step in the right direction. Of course, now that the Pac-12 has done it, you will start to see the Big Ten, the SEC, etc. do this as well. I don't think that Tempus X Machina is going to really do it with just the Pac-12. I could be wrong about that. It could be an exclusive deal. We'll see. But uh, but I don't think that's the way it's going to go. I think maybe you do the Pac-12 this year, and then everybody's open to it next year. We shall see how that works. But this is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's hit on this. Brent Venables. Obviously, I have to comment on this, right? Brent Venables uh, basically came out and said, and this was you know an older clip that started making the rounds, but he went through... And he told kids 
don't commit if you're not ready to commit. If you're going to take other visits, even if you've committed to us, we are not going to consider you committed. We are still going to be recruiting your position, etc. Because a commitment is, and he started talking about marriage, which is always a cringy thing to talk about for college football coaches when it comes to high school players, right? Like these are 17-year-old kids that are trying to figure out where they want to spend the next four years of their lives. They've never had to leave their parents' house, etc. at most of them anyway. It, it's a weird thing, right? This is a very difficult decision for a lot of them. And for him to be talking about don't commit if you're not ready to commit, I do partly stand by that. One issue that I have, it does sound very Dabo-ish, right? This is a very Dabo Sweeney point of view, but I can't say that Dabo Sweeney didn't get this from Brent Venables. Remember, Dabo was the lead voice at Clemson. He was the guy you didn't hear from Venables very much. This could have been a Venables thing all along. I mean, who's to say who actually came up with that idea? So maybe it was his thing. So I can't get on to him too much for sounding like Dabo when he goes into a rant like this. But on the other side, I'm only going to believe this, really, if he refuses to take visits from kids that are already committed elsewhere. If you if you refuse to take a guy on an official visit that is already committed to Texas, that is already committed to LSU, whoever, right? If he's already committed, quote-unquote, to another school, he hadn't signed anything yet, he's just committed, then maybe I will understand it. Maybe I will believe it, and he could, you know, he can do what he wants to. But if he starts taking visits from guys that are already, quote-unquote, committed to another school, this is just complete crap. This is ridiculous. He should have never talked about this stuff out loud, really. I understand where he's coming from. And, yeah, maybe you can say this to those guys, like, hey, if you're going to commit to us, you got to commit because I want to understand what my roster is going to look like. At the end of the day, like, unless you build something at Oklahoma like they have done at Clemson, you're not going to have a whole lot of stuff going on that, that would be any different anyway, right? Maybe I'm not making a ton of sense. People don't really like to leave Clemson, right? Uh, Clemson doesn't bring in a ton of transfers, etc. They build everything like a family. If you're building that at Oklahoma, I get it. But the majority of college football programs have kids that come in and kids that leave all the time. All the time. Especially now with the transfer stuff open. So telling kids that are still in high school to not commit to you is a little weird. I understand the point. But I don't know if it was maybe the smartest thing for him to rant about. I'll certainly say that. Uh, let's see. Fall camp is rolling for basically every team that's starting up on September 3rd now. So as of August 4th, I know uh, Alabama started camp today. You've got uh, Memphis and Mississippi State, etc. Like a ton of different teams started earlier in the week. And now you've got even more that are beginning now. So fall camp will be rolling as we get into next week, uh, first scrimmages for most everybody are going to be either late next week or early the week after that. So we'll have more to talk about with that. Uh, recruiting updates. You know, I, I'm curious what happened at Ohio State for their big recruiting weekend because there were a ton of negative reviews from uh, from different recruits. Uh, you know, a guy that was already committed to them, it, basically a, a top 247 kid or a top 150 kid, uh, left there, like decommitted from Ohio State in Trans or not transferred, but committed to Alabama after that. 
I don't even know that he was necessarily there, but man, the reviews from that weekend were were pretty rough. So I'm curious what's going on with Ohio State on the recruiting trail. Uh, this was an interesting one. I, I'm I'm interested here. T.J. Finley arrested for an attempt to evade, or excuse me, an attempt to elude. Now he was arrested by Auburn police. Uh, I did pull up the article on this one. This is. This is strange. Obviously, Finley is battling, you know, Zach Calzada for the starting quarterback job at Auburn. And, of course, there was all the deal about his historic NIL deal with Amazon. He was the first college athlete to sign with the, the global company, you know, whatever. Uh, but the article says Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley has been arrested on attempt to elude with the Auburn Police Department. And there's no real information on it. Like, nothing's been reported this is kind of a strange situation. Like, if you know who T.J. Finley is, if you're the Auburn Police Department, I don't know why you would do this. The attempt to elude can be anything from, like, not stopping when a policeman says so. Like, it doesn't have to be intentional, right? This is a strange thing to toss into the news uh, or a strange thing to actually arrest somebody over, right? Like, if you've got a crossing guard like a, an actual police crossing guard, and you think he's waving you one direction as opposed to, you know, telling you to stop, and you turn and drive away from him, and he chases you down and actually arrests you or actually pulls you over, that can be an attempt to elude, even though it's not intentional. So it seems a little crazy that, you know, somebody in the Auburn Police Department would actually arrest one of the players on the team for something as trivial as that. Uh, but I'm curious what the details are. I mean, it can it can be any number of different things. But with that being the only charge, yeah, it's a little a little strange. All right, finally, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with an article that I put out on Tuesday. I do this every single year, so this year is no different. It's just that this time I'm actually putting it on the website, or actually putting it on the uh, the show on YouTube here. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody to follow the show there, of course. Uh, the best college football podcast entering the 2022 season. Now, obviously, I'm going to toss my own up there. Uh, we have moved to a college football-only show. I might throw out some NFL picks at some point this year, but uh, but we are covering only college football. So that should be uh, should be easy enough. Late kick with Josh Pate is going to be my next one. Uh, Josh started the same way that we did, independent YouTube channel, uh, doing his thing. He got picked up by 247 Sports. He's awesome. Um, the show is huge at this point. So, and, and very worthy of being huge because it's a great show. Josh is awesome. The next one I got, College Football Inquirer. Uh, humorous. It's Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty. They are awesome. If you don't already listen to it, they cover everything to do with college sports and they are willing to laugh at the absurdity of all of it, right? They will call it out and they will make fun of guys, etc., and it's perfect. So these two guys have been doing it forever. Split Zone Duo is on here as well. Stephen Godfrey, I've been following him for a long time, since way back in the uh, PAPN days, the podcast name Played Nobody days with Bill Conley. Um, he's got Richard Johnson and Alex Kirshner on there. I believe those two actually started it, and they talked Godfrey into doing it with them. But Godfrey is the reason why I listen. I like all of them, but Godfrey is the reason why I listen. He is so cynical <laughs> and so... So everything, uh, they are they are well worth it, and and they do have a Patreon version of it. Uh, the paid version is better than the free version, 
I will vouch by that. I've been a subscriber for quite some time. The Cover 3 podcast, Bud Elliott, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, etc. They are awesome. They cover everything that there is to cover with this sport, and they do it in a really fun and entertaining way. The Audible, Stu and Bruce, uh, not always the best audio quality, but two guys that have been covering the sport for a very long time. They have a lot of insight into multiple programs because they are so incredibly well-sourced. they got a ton of connections, and they they show you with different nuggets and whatnot on every show. Uh, the Andy Staple Show, uh, Andy and Ari, awesome, hilarious, a lot of fun. They cover all of the funny parts about this sport and, and the biggest topics as well, but they dive into stuff that you know a lot of people don't necessarily cover. Unnecessary Roughness, that is the Barstool Sports one. Uh, you got to be willing to you got to be willing to listen to some crazy things on this podcast. I will say that. It is very much a it, it's perfect for this sport. There's no deep analytics. There's no anything like that. It is it, they do something called hate week leading into the season. And it's beautiful. They just talk a lot of crap about each other's teams, etc. It's it's beautiful. Brandon Walker turns out is really really good at the barstool thing, and and will continue to do so as well. I would imagine. But he and Casey Smith are great on this. There's a lot of good chemistry there with uh, with those two and Jack and Katie as well. It uh, this sport shouldn't be as serious as some people make it out to be, and these guys highlight that for sure. It is just a fun listen. The solid verbal. Uh, the granddaddy of them all, and we're not talking about the Rose Bowl. They have been doing a college football podcast, I mean, since before maybe the iPod came out. <laughs> it's been a very long time. Uh, so they've been doing this for quite some time. And, look, the audio quality is pristine. The video quality is awesome. Like, they turned it into a YouTube show as well. Very, very good stuff. Of course, I got a toss on here, the Bet US Football Show. Make sure and subscribe to that. That is Basically, the BetUS College Football Show and the NFL Show, all the picks that we make during the week on the BetUS College Football Show are tossed onto this feed. It is, it's worth a listen. So if you haven't watched the show, you don't have time to watch YouTube videos, I totally get it. That's perfectly fine. But go listen to the BetUS Football Show podcast. Uh, college Football Nerds deep dives into specific games, specific happenings that are going on in the sport. These guys are awesome. Going for two with Matt Brown. Uh, and, and Brian Fisher as well. Like, this is the business side of it. If you want to listen to what's happening behind the scenes and not so much what's actually happening on the field, this is a good one for that. That SEC podcast, somewhat similar to Unnecessary Roughness, only not as much uh, debate. And, and that's still debates. They have really good guests, but there's not as much crap talking. I'll say that. So, SEC Mike does a fantastic job. It's Mike Bratton that used to be over at Saturday Down South. He's done a great job with this show. Great job. Uh, finally, I do want to mention these three. Purple Theory, which is, what did I put? Parker and Grant swear this is a TCU podcast, but it's more of a Big 12 podcast with country music opinions. Like, it's, that's basically what it is. They really know what they're talking about and are incredibly entertaining. So, Parker Fleming and uh, and Grant over there. Westlot Pirates, you guys know. If you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that I love the Westlot Pirates those guys are phenomenal. It is a Northwestern podcast. Really, they cover all of the Big Ten. They zero in on Northwestern because all of them went to school there. They are massive Northwestern fans. Uh, so I love it. I mean, they're, they're Big Ten nuggets that they give you are just gold every now and then. 
which makes every listen worthwhile. I, I love those guys. And finally, if you love the deep dive analytics of college football, like I do, go listen to Nick and the boys over on the College Football Winning Edge, CFB Winning Edge, on your podcast app. Uh, it's really long shows. I'll go ahead and warn you with that. But it is just stocked full of information that you are not going to be able to get more information than what they give you. It's great for fantasy football, uh, for the college version anyway. It's great for just trying to figure out who the better teams are, what the numbers actually say. As as they tell you, numbers don't lie, but sometimes they do. Um, <laughs> there's all kind of different things involved with this. But yes, uh, these guys are wonderful as well. So that, that will wrap up the best college football podcasts. Uh, I didn't toss on Stanford, Steve, and the Bear. I still listen to them quite a bit, um, but I've had them on every single one of them. There's, there's a lot more that are out there. Uh, if you want to toss any into the comments below, I would obviously love to listen to some more. I want to, I want to hear more of these. So toss them into the comments. Let me know. If you're listening to us on the podcast, go check out these other shows. I, I don't want to drive you away from my show, obviously, but I would love for you to check out these other guys as well. They are all fantastic at what they do. So with that said, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys have been fantastic, wonderful, beautiful people. Leave some comments. Jump into the chat. Jump into the comments. We want to hear your feedback on the show. Tell us what we can give you. Uh, we, I will tell you this. The SEC East previews are coming soon. I don't know if they will be on Friday or at some point over the weekend, etc. That is the last division that I have to cover. And I am working on it. But man, school started back this week, and it has been bananas in my household. So be patient with me. It's coming. We did release the SEC West ones uh, between the last couple of days, uh, whenever the last full show was. But, uh, but yes, go ahead and check those out. The SEC East is coming up. So, uh, but yes, jump into the feedback, jump into the comments. Let me know what I can do for you. What would you like for me to cover, etc. I will, uh, I will listen to all of it, and I will certainly take it into consideration. And if you have any questions, etc., you can always reach out on email or through Twitter at GaryWCE. With that said, it is time to roll on. You guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. The website is winningcureseverything.com, and if you want to connect with us, we're on Twitter at GaryWCE, at ChrisBGiannini, at WinningCures, or you can email us, Gary at winningcureseverything.com or Chris at winningcureseverything.com. Subscribe everywhere you need to subscribe, and we'll see you soon. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash iron from using upside to help pay for a vacation later this year download the free upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas use promo code game to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code game for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank that's code game for a 25 cents per gallon bonus